Hello and welcome to the Rambling Runner Podcast. I'm your host, Matt Chittam, and this is the podcast for all the dedicated amateur runners out there who are working hard to get better while balancing running with the rest of their lives. And today's show is brought to you by run for prs Coaching. run for prs Coaching was created to help runners of all abilities discover their inner strength and potential. They understand how difficult it can be to juggle training, family, careers, and other pursuits and are excited to help support you and your athletic journey while pushing you to new heights. Run for PR's coaches work with athletes from all over the world on an online coaching platform that allows them to schedule, review your runs, communicate feedback, and hold you accountable. And all their coaches are Boston Marathon qualifiers with years of coaching experience, and you can learn more at www.run4prs.co. That's run, the number four, prs.co, or on Instagram at run4prs. Also, big shout out to Megaton Coffee for fueling the Rambling Runner podcast. They have a special deal going on right now. If you go to megatoncoffee.com, you can save 20% at checkout by using the code RAMBLING20. This coffee is twice as strong as normal coffee, but it is excellent. It really is. It is excellent coffee. If you're a coffee drinker, you're going to love this stuff. I know because I've been drinking it now for months and I am a huge fan of it. And I know you'll be too. Check them out. Megatoncoffee.com. So today's episode is the panel discussion that we had live at the CIM Expo at 2.30 p.m. last Saturday. It was a discussion that I was so excited for because we had four wonderful guests and the turnout at the expo was absolutely fantastic. It just blew me away. I was so appreciative of everybody who showed up and also very appreciative of my four guests. So these are all four people have been on the show before and they are Heather Schultz, Jill Deering, Patrick Cutter, and Kim Clark Underwood. All four of these people ran CIM, and so that's why they were in town. And not only that, um, they're just a wealth of information, but they also come at running, racing, training, life, all from different perspectives. There are certain things they have in common, other things they don't have in common. That, that was the other reason I was really excited to get these four individuals on stage together to talk about just a variety of different topics. The, the, the goal of it was to figure out ways not figure out ways necessarily, but to talk about ways of achieving marathon success. So we touched on six different questions, and I kind of went a little deeper uh, with some follow-up questions as well. We touched on the biggest goals you've achieved, your biggest race failure, how did you bounce back from that failure, target races, you know, racing frequently, you know, gaining racing experience, uh, approach to a marathon and how it's changed, and how your training has changed and improved over time. Not everyone answered every question, but I think you're going to get a lot out of this episode because, well, shoot, 300 people were already there, and we got some wonderful feedback after the show. So, again, I cannot say thank you enough to everybody who showed up, everybody who came, the four guests, and as well as CIM for inviting me. And also, lastly, I want to give a huge shout-out to Topo Athletic. Um, This running shoe company is just doing great things, and they sponsored these two live podcasts. They sponsored my trip out to CIM. They've just been absolutely wonderful to work with. Tony Post has been on the show. They make 
low drop or no drop running shoes that are extremely comfortable. They allow you to run naturally and get your, your, your toes splay. You can grip the ground better. <clears throat> it's just, it's a very high quality running shoe. And if you're not happy with the shoes you have now, I'm telling you, you're going to want to give them a shot, especially if you're a fan of the low drop, no drop. Um, I usually do almost all, um, you know, road running. I'm up so early, I always run in the dark. So I don't do a lot of trail stuff, but they have a wide variety of trail shoes as well. I haven't tried them out because I don't run on trails, but they came out with some new trail shoes that are being very well received right now. So if you're a big trail runner, you might want to check those out. They're also really comfortable in the winter. That's the one time I will wear trail shoes. It's not even to be on trails. It's to get grip when it's snowed outside. And I'm running in the snow. So anyway, thank you, Topo Athletic, for sponsoring my trip out to CIM. It was a wonderful trip. And when you hear this episode, you'll know why. So I hope you like it. First of all, thank you, everybody, for coming today. And good luck to all the runners tomorrow. This really is such a special race. And I can't be more thankful for allowing me and the rest of the panel to come up here today and talk to everybody. So with that said, today's panel, we have Heather Schultz. Bill Deering, Patrick Cutter, and Kim Clark Underwood. So, before we get started, how about we give them a round of applause? They agreed to be here today, and I could not be more appreciative. So, this panel discussion is going to involve a few questions I'm going to submit to everyone on the panel. With that said, we're going to have a small Q&A session as well at the end. So, if you want to submit a question, that maybe we'll kick to everybody here. You can DM me on Instagram at rambling underscore runner. We'll do a few questions at the end. No pressure, but we're looking forward to everyone's input. So with that being said, I'm so excited to talk to everybody, but we'll start it off with Jill. Jill, you're an experienced marathoner, experienced runner in general. How has your approach to the marathon changed during your experiences? Well, first of all, I just want to say thank you for having me. Close Sorry. Um, there we go. Hi. Uh, is that good? Uh, I want to say thank you for having me. It's an honor to be here. Um, yeah, I have run several marathons, and um, this is the first marathon where I kind of let my ego go in training and was able to run easy runs slower, um, do my own workout, and not feel obligated or pressured to kind of always run fast all the time. And it makes a huge difference when you run your easy days easy and you do your workouts really hard. Um, and I've said that for years, and then I actually did it. <laughs> and how did it affect your workouts when you took your easy runs a little bit lighter? I just felt so much better on my workouts, and I was able to recover a lot quicker. Um, instead of just kind of feeling trashed all week long, marathon, you know, training is a grind. But I actually felt really good going into workouts, and that was really exciting. And there you go. And you're, you're training... You have little Jet, who's in the stands over here, yeah. you know, with, that, with that infectious <laughs> smile. Look at that little guy. <laughs> so what was it like for you doing marathon prep with him in your life? Very, very different. Um, you know, you're, everything revolves around him, as it should. And um, my schedule revolves around him. I don't have enough time. I stretch, you know, when I can. I foam roll when he's not chasing after it. Um, and so, you know, also it's nice because mentally I was able to not worry about it as much, not stress about it as much, because I'm his mom first, and nothing else matters. Um, and so running's just fun, and it kind of, it's, it's a nice, really puts it in perspective. That's great. So Kim, I know you're an experienced marathoner. You've had a very significant 
um, time difference from your first marathon, which you ran at like a spur-of-the-moment decision, to what you've done recently. So how has your approach to race day changed? Well, my first marathon, I signed up at the expo the day before the race. So I ran a six-hour and eight-minute marathon. Um, so I left a lot of room for improvement um, on my next one. And my approach after that was to actually just train, which was <laughs> big for me. But um, in the last couple of years, I've made a huge jump in fitness. And I would credit that with um, starting to run with people. Really, it's about running with other people and just putting myself out there. And honestly, as soon as I put myself out there, I just started reaping so like much more gains. And it, was, it made running more fun. And... Um, the fitness came along so much quicker with people than when I was just out there slogging alone. And when you train with people, how do you balance doing the easy runs with others versus the workouts with others? Obviously, with easy runs, if you get pulled faster than you want to go, that can be harmful. I do all my easy runs alone now. <laughs> because, honestly, like I had friends that were just too quick for me on my easy runs, and I know what my body needs, so I go exactly as slow as I need to go. And on my workouts, my goal is just to keep up with them. And on my easy runs, I can go like, as painfully slow as I need to. Oh, that's great. So, Patrick, obviously we hope that everyone has their best race ever tomorrow. What, you know, excluding that, looking into the future, in your past, what's your biggest marathon achievement? Uh, for me, my, uh, I've done uh, 18 marathons now, and I'd say my biggest uh, marathon achievement was probably finishing Boston this year uh, when we swam to Boston, pretty much. <laughs> so it wasn't my, uh, my best time I ran, but just uh, what we had to go through that day and what we experienced you know, for 26.2 miles was just unlike anything I've ever done before and might never do again in a marathon. So was that the first time that you finished a race without a PR that you felt that that was like the pinnacle of what you'd achieved up to that point? I mean, it certainly felt like I deserved a PR after running that, but um, I didn't get one. But it definitely was the, the grind and the, the grit it took to finish was um, something that I, I'm glad I was able to fight through and, you know, get to the finish. So. Now, Heather, you also ran Boston this year. What was your experience during that? You really have to start with Boston. <laughs> this year was probably, I don't know, it was my second slowest marathon ever, and seriously, but I have to say that medal, I felt was the, I, I, I was, okay, so during it, I was obviously very upset, but after I completed it, I felt very proud that I was able to finish when I found out how many people had dropped out, and I had hypothermia, and it was, um, but it, I, I'm not sure I would say that that was, I mean, I was very proud of that moment, but I'd like to forget about it sometimes. <laughs> so um, for me, my biggest uh, accomplishment was the year I turned 40, um, I, I was on a sub three kick and I knew that, um, you know, once you turn 40 though, you have to like keep, you know, I don't know if everyone's like, oh, you're going to slow down, you're going to slow down. And I... Um, I ended up running my PR that year for the marathon, for the half marathon. I almost tied my PR for the 5K. And um, I ended up doing like seven sub threes in a row. And um, I know that sounds kind of corny, but I ended up like third overall at Disney. And that was my PR. And I don't know, it was just one of those things. It was just all rolling. And I was just on that high, I guess, of it. And I don't know, that's probably my, what I'm most proud of, I think. Right. No, Getting you... old. <laughs> <laughs> So when you talk to other Masters runners 
about you know, kind of setting new PRs or achieving things in running that maybe they haven't achieved before, what are some of the things that you stress to them? Don't put limits on yourself because I think that some people just assume because you're getting older you're going to slow down, and that's not the case. I mean, I sped up, and I've been running for 30 years, guys. I mean, I've been running all my life, and to touch on something that you were talking about earlier, um, when I had my first daughter... It totally, it totally changed my training. I had a baby monitor on my porch, and I was running back and forth and checking to make sure she wasn't, checking to make sure she wasn't crying, you know, just trying to get in workouts. I would drive her to the track, and um, and you know, like have the car there and like be running, you know. And so, I mean, you literally, it running be, it takes on different meanings, you know, through different stages of your life. And I think that, um, you know, becoming a parent just makes running even more valuable, I think, and I appreciated it more, and um, I don't know, I, 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 I totally could um, be empathetic with the way that, you know, I, I, so I commend you, because I wasn't doing marathons, I was just training for like halves and 5Ks and stuff, so being a parent and being able to train hard is definitely something to, <laughs> to commend, so. Now, we can all revel in the marathon experiences that you know, can set us apart, that we feel absolutely wonderful about. But it wouldn't be the marathon if we had the opposite experiences that were a little bit more disheartening or some serious challenges. So, Kim, I'll start with you. What was your biggest marathon challenge? And then afterwards, how did you bounce back from it? Yeah, um, so I would say that my toughest marathon to date was uh, Boston. 2015 race and I trained really hard for it but I'm so new to running so I didn't realize that I was overtraining. so I didn't recognize any signs before I really anticipated having a great race and so when I went out on course and I my body was totally dead I was surprised and um devastating oh I think the mic is off um it was totally devastating and after that race, it was like I, ha- I lost all confidence. I just didn't think I was ever going to be like running fast again. I had run 19 minutes off my PR in that race. And um, I just didn't ever think I would even get back to running what my PR was. And so um, finding my way back to have the confidence again to go for big goals was such a huge thing for me. How about you, Patrick? Uh same as Kim has said, uh, Boston. I had uh, a bad experience in Boston. And, uh, it's all about Boston. So in uh, 2016, I, uh, I had a, a DNF, and it was my first time I ever didn't finish a race my whole life. And I'm a very competitive person. And to in, fall short of the goal, uh, is, it's like heartbreaking. I uh, collapsed at mile 22, and I remember uh, sitting in the, the medical tent laying down, and I, I called my dad. I was... I was in tears, and I was just so upset that I uh, didn't make it to the finish line. But um, I used part of the reason I didn't reach my goals because I went in and I was overtrained, and I think I was a little uh, in over my head. I thought I was in better shape than I really was, and um, I uh, yeah. So how did you? prepare for your following marathons to make sure that not only you were overtrained, but you had a pretty good handle on the race pace that you needed to succeed? I mean, I was back to being prepared, and um, I had a whole year to come back and, uh, and be stronger and um, really know the, the course and know my true fitness, and it helped that I had a coach, 
and I went from DNF uh, in 2016, and I was far more prepared in uh, 2017. I finished in uh, 237 um, uh, in 2017, and which is was my PR at the time. It was the first time I ever ran under 240. So I would say um, I learned more from that race that I didn't finish than any race I've ever ran, ever ran besides that one. And you often hear that in all sports that you know you either win or you learn. Right, So oftentimes, I know for all runners out there, I'm sure everyone who's listening to this here at CIM, is that those races where things don't go your way is often how you learn. And even though there's people up here talking about things they learn from, it's so hard to learn those things secondhand. I know all of my race failures are a testament to that, that's for sure. Um, Despite having a running podcast, and I should have learned all these lessons by now. So, Heather, we'll start here with you. How has your training changed and improved over time? You mentioned you've been running for 30 years. How have you dialed into your training to work best for you? So if anyone has followed me over the last, I don't know, several years, I've always been an advocate for like lower mileage but high-quality mileage. So a lot of people, when they're um, marathon training, and, I, I, and I'm not saying it's for everybody, but it's something that works for me. Um, and I've, cause I've been running so long and I know my body and I know what works for me, but, um, you'll see people running, you know, 80 miles a week, 90 miles a week, hundred miles a week. And if you, um, if you follow me, you'll be like, I mean, I literally run maybe 40, 45 miles a week. That's not and that's probably high. <laughs> I mean, there was a lot of weeks that I only did like 35, 40 and I peaked at 51 for even this race, but even, um, so the thing that's changed for me is, well, that really hasn't changed. I mean, I used to think you had to run. To be successful, you had to run a lot of miles. But really what it is is for me was the quality. Like, so I have my speed training, and, um, and during my long runs now, I incorporate um, faster, faster miles. Instead of just going out for a slow long run, I actually, like, push my pace in my long run or do, um, you know, five or six miles at goal pace and then a mile easier or, you know, just, so that's changed a lot. Um, and then I think not caring what other people are doing is a big deal. You know, you're looking at everybody else and thinking that you should be doing what everybody else is doing. And that doesn't, just because they're doing it doesn't mean it's going to work for you. You know, everybody's different. So if you have, you know, a good coach, they'll know that. So don't compare yourself to other people and just, you know, do, do what works for you. And you'll figure that out eventually. It takes a while to figure your own training out. And, and you'll have a race that you're successful at, and then you'll be like, wow, that's what works. Yeah. Um, well, uh, I, I kind of echo that and just doing your own thing and doing what works for you. Um, there's no right way to train. There's no right workout. And I think it's really interesting looking at how technology's changed kind of training and just running in general um, and with Strava and Instagram and you can see everyone's workouts and everyone's um, mileage and we get caught in the game of comparison and it's fun and exciting and also can really kind of hamper your own training. Um, you see somebody doing their easy runs at a certain pace or someone's running 80 mile weeks and think you have to do that. Um, and I, I love Strava. All my friends will tell you that. I'm the first one to upload and check segments. But um, being able to let go of that is like really key because it, it doesn't, it's not the end all. Of, you know, if, if you, 
If you really want to do well, you got to do what's right for you and not what Strava tells you and not what Instagram tells you. Um, and someone had a, a post the other day that was really interesting. Um, they posted their long run and a photo of their watch, which I've done a billion times, and it had the pace. And the, the caption was, you know, if you just look at um, the mileage and the time, it looks like I really crushed this workout. What it doesn't show you is I, I stopped 15 times for a total of 30 minutes. Um, and it was, like, really a good point of, like, you know, just the photo you see and the run you see isn't That's, everything. Um, so to try not to get caught up in that is, is really hard to do and I think really valuable. Especially since you're a competitive person, right? Like, how, how do you dissociate yourself from trying to be competitive? You know people who might be competing even for a win in upcoming races. How do you dissociate yourself from that feeling? It's, it's hard, and it's kind of a constant battle. It is. Um, I remember on every easy run, I would try to get a Strava segment. This oh. was like two years ago oh when it just God. came out. Every easy run, I would try to get a segment. So I'd do like some weird sprint up a hill or something, oh and gosh. clearly that's not the way to run your easy recovery runs. Um, and so it's just learning and growing up and saying, hey, what's more important, that silly Strava segment or really recovering so I can do a good workout? And then someone comes along on a bike, and, takes beats, and takes it anyway, because I've been dethroned so many times from someone riding a bike. Right. <laughs> Just saying. I'm not, that makes me angry, though. And I'm not even, I don't even, I don't, I don't even care about Strava, but I get really mad if someone's not, you can tell, because it beat me by like four minutes faster than, I'm like, there's no way you're running a four-minute mile. <laughs> okay, sorry. I had to. Patrick? Uh, for, for me, when I first started out training for marathons, I was running three days a week, and I was doing every run at, like, 6.45 pace, and when I thought uh, you're supposed to taper for a marathon, I thought you weren't supposed to run at all, so um, the week before my first marathon, I took, like, 10 days off straight, didn't run at all, and then uh, I learned out the hard way that that's not really how you're supposed to taper, and I paid for it in the first few miles of the race, but um, my training's really come a long way. Um, it's all about, like, quality workouts and, like, these... Ladies have said it's about taking your easy days easy and um, really doing what works for you. I mean, there's not one plan that works for somebody and another for somebody else. You know, it has to be for you, and what works for you might not be what works for somebody else. Like, I thrive off of doing, like, 75 to 80 miles a week, and for other people, they might be doing more and or maybe less. So it's all relative. Right, and on that point, too, I mean, you're a strong guy. You spend a lot of time in the gym as well. In terms of doing what works for you, how have you incorporated lifting into that, into, into your training schedule? That's the number one question I get on my Instagram is people asking me, how do you get biceps? How do you get abs? And it's, um, <laughs> what's my diet like? And if I gave out my diet, people would probably not be runners anymore because I eat a lot of pizza. Um, but for me, it's all about uh, balance. You know, I, I try to work out at least like four or five times a week. And I still lift pretty heavy. I was a former football player in high school. I played football for about nine years. So the stuff for me is I became uh, more advanced at running to give up uh, lifting. So I've tried to maintain both, and I've lost a little bit of my muscle. But um, my coach is trying to get me to not lift weights anymore. But if Michael, if you're here, I'm not going to be doing that. So um, I'll do as, both as long as I can. And uh, I love doing both. And you can uh, lift weights and uh, run fast-ish. I guess. I know you're fast. I'm a firm believer in strength training. Um, I'm at least two to three days in the gym, uh, you know, lifting weights. And I don't know. I just think that it's injury prevention and, you know, strength. And I don't know. So you can't tell me never to lift. So <laughs> Nice. Kim? Um, about lifting? No, I'm sorry. <laughs> um, about how your training has improved and changed over time. Sure. 
thing this season hasn't been that great. Um, it's improved because I, I, after a bunch of failed marathons in a row, I got the hint that what I was doing wasn't working. So I basically changed everything going into my race last year. So um, I started doing workouts with people. I started just focusing on how I felt. So um, prior to Boston, when I had a total blow up of a race, I didn't care how I felt. If I had two, two runs that day, I was getting them both done. It could, my heart rate could be like skyrocketing and it didn't matter. I was getting those things done. So I was like such a slave to a schedule instead of being so focused on me and what my body's doing. So when I started focusing on my body and what it could handle, it like everything changed. Um, I was basing so much of what I was doing off of what other girls were doing who had been running like their whole lives and they can just handle more. They have more of a base. I had to realize like you have no base. And once I realized that I was able to work with what I did have. And um, so yeah, once I started training with people, focusing more on recovery, um, it, everything just started clicking and I started seeing improvement. Great. All right, we have a question from the audience. Again, if you have a question, feel free to DM me at rambling underscore runner. Jill, this is for you, but anyone can answer after Jill, is when a marathon starts to get tough for you, mentally, how do you approach your, that part of the race? Well, that's a really good question, and I think that's the heart of marathon training and marathon running is figuring out how to overcome the mental battle. Um, you know, we've all... You know, if you're, if you're training for a marathon, you've done long runs, you've done a lot of the work, hopefully, um, and so you kind of know what to expect, but it's going to get hard, it's going to get, it's going to hurt, and um, you can kind of choose um, to a certain extent, unless you just totally blow up and there's no choice available, um, but you kind of have to choose when it gets tough at that point, whether it's mile 20 or whether it's mile 3, and you, you have to ask yourself, you know, why did I train so hard? What am I hoping to do here? Um, and do I want to push through it or do I want to kind of be complacent and accept something that's less um, than my best? And I'm by no means an expert, and that's kind of um, every race. I have that inner dialogue with myself um, and kind of question myself and, you know, ask myself, do I really want to do this? Do I want to finish? Do I want to pretend to pull my hamstring here and just get uh, the, the, the wagon back at mile 18? Um, but... Uh, I never have opted for that. Let's hope I don't. And um, I really think, for me personally, I run the best when I go in with kind of less um, hard expectations of, of what I need to run and remembering that, you know, most of us aren't going to be Olympians. I know it's a sad truth, and um, but we're just here to do this for fun and to challenge ourselves. And I feel most satisfied after a run or a workout or a race when I didn't give up and when I pushed through, no matter what the time is, whether it was the worst day of my life and the worst race or the best day, it isn't about the time. It's about kind of how you feel about your own performance. And so when it gets tough, remember like why you, that feeling of being so proud and so determined and working towards that. Um, and then of course, you know, the, the, the friends and family you have seeing at the, waiting for you at the finish line, this will be my first marathon with my little guy and my husband over there. And so kind of the, the real life things of all the people who've sacrificed to allow you to train, the hours of sleep you've missed, kind of all the real things. I mean, it's hard to be here. It's hard to do the work. Um, and so kind of reap, the, reap all that and get what you put into it um, and make it worth it. Now, is there a race in particular where you felt like you had to battle more than any other and really kind of got through that and have like the most pride in that race? That's a good question. Um, I don't think there's 
ever been a race that I didn't come up against that mental wall. I mean, no matter how good you feel, you always question, like, could I, could I run faster? Could I run harder? Am I pushing myself hard enough? Um, and sometimes it backfires and you say, okay, I'm going to go a little harder and you weren't capable of doing that. Um, there's definitely races that I regret looking back and saying, I know that there was a part of me that kind of backed off. And that's the worst feeling when you the get worst. the worst. When you get to the finish line, no matter if it was a PR, and you say, "Ugh, had a little more. I had more, and I chose not to do that." And it's the the disappointing part is when you'd say it was a decision, and I chose not to push it. So the most gratifying are when you say, "Hey, even if I blew up and it was awful, I really gave it my all." Yeah. Um, and I think for me that was London last year. I was terribly sick. I had a flu. I think I started at the start line with like 101 or 102 okay. fever. Not a good idea, but we had gone. We had gone. Um, my husband and I, we both got into London, which is very hard to do, and we traveled over there. And I was like, am I not going to run this epic race? I got to try. Um, and I think kind of because I was sick, I was just in a fog, and I just kind of pushed through, and I ended up running a PR. Um, oh, my gosh. So <laughs> it worked really well because I didn't, I didn't ever go there. I just was like, I got to finish. I'm really sick. I better get to the finish line. Right. And it's on some <laughs> level, it kind of takes the pressure off. Because okay. if it doesn't work out for you, it's like, hey, I was sick. Yep. Yeah, what, what, you know, it's, you have that feeling of like Michael Jordan, game six of the NBA finals. Like, exactly. it doesn't work out. Hey, game seven's <laughs> around the corner. Um, does anyone else have a, have a moment they can reflect on as well of when, you know, things got really tough and looking back on it, you say, that was like the pinnacle of me fighting through a tough moment and hopefully I can continue to do that in the future. I mean, I, you know, I always, ha- I know, I always have something it, to say. I'm like, <laughs> I mean, I mean, obviously Boston this year, I, I just... I just keep going back to that because I thought I was going to die. I really just, I was so cold and I was in so much pain and I have like very little memory of, um, of even some of the miles. I never ran and have no memory of running those miles, but it was a decision to keep going. I, I had enough capacity to say, I'm going to get to that finish line. It was my 10th Boston. I was all excited that it was my 10th Boston and I just I stopped well obviously I stopped looking at my watch way you know way back but I just it it became a finish line mission and um I don't know like trust me I I was looking at medical tents I was and I just said no I was you know it was that decision that you have to keep going because what I mean it's cold too I mean I don't know I just so that has to be your hotel coming hotel I was being chased by the medical people afterwards because I was like like shivering and um, I, I don't know. It was one of those, that was just enough said. I honestly, like that was like the worst experience, but best experience as well, you know? Well, thank you so much for everyone for being here. I want to thank all four of you for coming on today. I really appreciate it. Good luck tomorrow and good luck to all of you tomorrow. I hope everything goes well for you and thank you for listening. Thank you so much to everyone who came out for the panel discussion. Thank you, Heather, Jill, Patrick, and Kim for doing it. This was just so much fun. Anytime I can be in a room with any of these individuals, I will take that chance anytime. And just to be with them all at the same time was absolutely fantastic. Thank you to Run for PRs Coaching, Megaton Coffee, and Topo Athletic for sponsoring this episode. Anytime you can, you know, basically patronize the people who sponsor this episode. It helps me out. So if you love the show, 
you know, go check out Megaton Coffee. If you don't have a coach, check out Run for PRs. And if you need new running shoes, check out Topo Athletic. I really think that you're going to like each one of these brands. And that's why, you know, that's why I have them as sponsors on this show. I wouldn't have them on here if I didn't feel good about them. There's no question about that. So thank you so much for listening to the show. I really appreciate it and happy running.